Hey, welcome so much to uh, Christmas Eve service uh, here this morning, and we're just so grateful for your presence. Loved hearing your singing, and it's just a pleasure. Uh, also, uh, I'm just really grateful. If this uh, is your first time here at Summit, we welcome you. And for those who, you know, church isn't really your thing, I uh, just applaud your courage. You got dragged here, and uh, I get it. It's been there. And so I just want you to relax, and we trust that your experience has been good so far, and that, uh, that perhaps, if you would be open to listening, that maybe God actually wants to speak to you personally. <clears throat> I knew a guy uh, in one of my previous churches, I won't tell what church, and we'll keep it secret. There's been three of them, so I'm not going to let you guess, but he was a really grumpy man. How many people know grumpy people? How many people are sitting beside grumpy people? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Well, that was really, uh, that was really true of a man that I knew. And he was grumpy. He was sort of on the fringe of, uh, you know, he got dragged to church by his wife and all of that kind of stuff. His wife came to me one day because he was really getting difficult at home. And a very long story short is that this man... Uh, began to think about, and finally, for so many years, he ignored and rejected and just kind of let it be, decided to think deeply about this whole thing called Christianity or Jesus. And his search led him to encounter Christ in a very powerful way, and Christ began to transform that man. In my uh, last number of years in that church, I need to tell you that this man was utterly changed from a grumpy, negative kind of a person, he became a joy-filled man, a pleasure to be around. And that's the wonderful transformation and change of what Christ can do within. Uh, we're talking about joy, and I was asking you last week, uh, Amy talked about the hope that we have, the comfort we have in hope, and all that God ministers to us as he gives us perspective and strengthens us in, in difficult challenges as we're waiting uh, to see things come. We're talking about joy today, and it seems like a dumb question, but if I were to ask you, what is joy, what would you say? How would you respond to that? I think at first glance, most of us would likely think of joy as something like happiness or laughter. Uh, if you study the concept in the Bible, however, there's some wonderful nuances that we're going to help add to those things today that I trust are going to encourage you. It's a very small word, but it has a very big, big uh, concept, especially in the Bible. God is the ultimate source of joy, and it is very part of his nature. Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord, it's his, is our strength. It originates in him, flows from his character. Psalm 1611 says that there is joy in your presence, and not just joy, fullness of joy. It's evidenced, manifested by his spirit. For the fruit of the spirit or the manifestation, the evidence of his presence is love, joy. It seems as though joy is the central sort of um, emotion of the Christian. Now, for some of you, when you think of God, you don't think of joy. I know that to be true for many. 
perhaps in your, you know, your experience with some religious people or with religion, with Christians or a particular church, it has caused you to question the premise that God is the source of joy. And uh, I don't know, it's understandable initially when we feel the sting of someone's judgment or when we have observed in our world the falling morally and ethically of Christian leaders around us all over the world, and it skews our perspectives. But with time and maturity and thoughtfulness, it will lead us to understand that we perhaps have adopted a perspective about God or Christ or church that's been skewed by the shortcomings of some Christians and their illogical application of the Scripture, rather by the truth of Jesus Christ in all of His fullness and who He is. So, I just want to help us that we can think about this. Dallas Willard, who was the previous uh, chair of philosophy at UCLA, a wonderful Christian, he wrote this in his book, Divine Conspiracy. It is a great and important task to come to terms with what we really think about when we think about God. A question people find themselves at wrestling with is, is God angry or is he full of joy? He says, we should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he said, he is the most joyous being in the universe. Great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. Now, I don't know about you when you think about God. Is that what you think about? No. But I want to posit that actually that is true. Joy is the central core emotion of the believing follower of Jesus, and it comes from Christ, from the Father, from the Spirit who dwells within us. It's not just a fleeting pleasure. It's not merely a sensation, but it's a pervasive sense of well-being. Joy doesn't mean forcing happiness when we're sad. It doesn't mean fake laughter during difficult times. Joy exists in God, and he shares it with us, makes it actually a part of us when we place our trust in his son Christ and receive his presence within us. Then it begins to grow as we learn about Christ and obey his teaching. Jesus said this. He said, these things I have told you near the end, just hours before he was going to be betrayed. He said to his followers, these things I have told you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's something about being connected with Jesus and actually living the type of life that he actually taught about that actually makes us full of joy. It's counterintuitive to our culture. But when we respond by doing our part to experience joy, manifesting and developing joy in partnership with God, it becomes a reality, and it grows more and more. Henry Nouwen, who served here at L'Arche right in Richmond Hill, he said, joy doesn't simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Or from another leader named Bono, the Christian lead singer from U2, he said that joy is actually a, an act of defiance. 
We develop our inner life in Christ so that we can choose joy, defying the relentless fear and doubts that come about. His joy in and through us. It's like a life ring tossed to people drowning in a sea of worry, fear, regret, and discouragement. Let me just give you a few more things about biblical joy, and then I'm going to focus on only two verses of Scripture. If we study the Scripture, we understand that joy is actually an internal gladness, cheerfulness, and calm delight. There's an abiding, cheerful disposition it's just kind of how we get wired, a buoyancy in our soul. It's rooted in God's grace, experienced in relationship with Jesus, and manifested in us by the Holy Spirit. And the crazy thing is, the wonder of it all, is it's not totally dependent upon circumstances externally. Well, joy can be instigated by experiences and people and all of that. It's not completely dependent upon those things. It can actually be manifest in the middle of in the presence of pain. One, one of our own people here in our church was uh, doing what I love to do and to, was cliff diving and cliff jumping this summer. And he actually uh, didn't quite go out far enough and he, he, he landed about you know, 50 feet down on some alleged rocks before he hit the water, shattering his ankles and heels. And while I was visiting him in Sunnybrook, I remember uh, being there, and in the midst of that pain, and in the midst of the frustration, and all of the complications it brought to his life, he was full of joy. He was a smile on his face. He talked about, you know, uh, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but he was just full of joy and trusting in God. It can be shown while suffering persecution. I remember I was uh, in Indonesia, in Sumatra and some other places, and uh, I was meeting in a home with some people and a woman who had been severely, severely abused uh, uh, and also was under tremendous persecution for her choice to choose to follow Christ against the majority religion. And she talked and told her story through an interpreter, and I sat there with tears in my eyes of the utter joy she had. It can even emerge in seasons of grief. For those that don't know, I lost both my mother and my father in the last couple of years. Some of you know the pain and the grief that, of loss. But yet, somehow in the midst of that, there is a buoyancy of spirit. There is a joy that comes with knowing that they were connected with God and are with him in his presence. And this is why even Christians sometimes sing at funerals. It seems so weird to those that don't know God. But that's just the wonderful thing about joy. God gives it to his kids. It's based on, on, on all of Christ. I want to look at two verses, and it was, comes right out of the story that was wonderfully read uh, through song and music and uh, word to us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, could we do something today? For, could we all read this out loud together? And kids, I really want to hear you if you can see and read that. And let's read together. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Awesome. 
the word of the Lord, and he begins, this angel who appears to these shepherds says to them, fear not. I don't know, kids, if you were out in a field one night and it was dark and suddenly there was this massive angel glowing in front of you, would you be a little scared? Yeah, I know I would be. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Nolan. I mean, Nolan's tough. Every time there was an angelic, uh, you know, visitation almost in the scriptures, there was a sense of fear, terror. And he says, fear not. It's the most often exhortation in the Christmas story. And it's a very significant in the, in the scripture. One of the most significant joy stealers in life you'll find is fear. Fear can drain our joy. When you dissect many of the things we worry about, you're going to discover lurking behind the worry is a fear of some kind. We have lots of fears. Fears of failure, fears of rejection, fears of being controlled, fears of being hurt again. Fear of losing freedom. Some have a fear of success. I know I read about that a number of years ago. Some have a fear of not having enough money, a fear of sickness, a fear of being known by others. If they really knew me, they would not like me. Or fear of being caught. You got something going on hidden that no one knows about. A fear of not being chosen or noticed or a fear of being alone, a fear of death, a fear of facing God, a fear of the unknown. These things can rob us of our joy, and the angel gives these reasons why we cannot be afraid. We can choose not to be afraid. He says that there is good news, good news of great joy. For those who grew up in the church, you'll recognize this word good news in the original language is evangelion, where we get evangelism or the gospel. He's saying, I bring you good news. Now, for, again, for, for Christians uh, who grew up in the church, you need to understand this was not a Christian-only word. It was actually used in the culture. You know where? It was used to herald good news when the emperor was coming, when the empire won a war, when the empire had a son. He says... I bring good news. The noun joy is kara. It means it's, it's related to charis, which is grace. This word joy appears 59 times in the New Testament of our Bibles. And here it says, there is good news of not just joy, great joy. And you know what the, the, you know what the adjective is before that? Mega. Honestly, that's what it is in the original. Mega joy. Good news of mega joy. And then you have variations of this word joy, like rejoice, to express joyful celebration, thanksgiving, and praise. That happens 74 times. It's a major theme in Christianity, joy. And it's a huge theme in the Christmas story. The good news of great joy, he says, is for really good people. It's for all people. Good news for all people. And here is this wonderful news which can help us deal with fears of all kinds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you, it's for you, it's given to you, and the application is even for every single one of you here in this room or watching online. Unto you, a Savior is born. And it's fascinating when he says in the city of David, this is speaking of Bethlehem, and it's fulfilling prophecies that came like 700 years before Christ was born. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. These three designations help us to see why we need not fear, and I'll just briefly mention them. The reason for our joy is a person, a divine person. His name is Jesus, and we're going to see he is the Savior. Jesus the Savior. Now, you and I, every person puts their hope in some kind of Savior. They just would never admit it, or they don't see it that way. We have Saviors of all kinds. We, in, we have saviors in the image that we hope to project with our wealth or our possessions, uh, our beauty or our physique, for some of you. Uh, degrees, our position, our success, our children, our partner, our sexual prowess, our, our business savvy, our vocational advancement climbing the ladder, our connections with people, our social media likes or views, our busyness or substances that we trust to heal our pain. We all have temptations to other saviors. But this savior, the deliverer or rescuer, saves, redeems, rescues us in the fullest sense, in the most lasting sense. Jesus saves longer and more fulsomely than any other Savior we try to seek. He redeems us from our worst selves and our brokenness, our guilt, our shame, our lostness. He restores us from estrangement to God and connects us with him once again. He takes that unwillingness to surrender to him and helps us to submit to God. He empowers us with freedom to have the power to choose not to sin, our bent towards doing what we only, are, we only want to do, that which draws us away from what God commands us to do or that moves us to trespass into areas God says don't go there. He delivers us from this. He rescues us. He delivers us from the oppressive bondage of evil spirits, demons, and the devil himself. He rescues us from spiritual death and eternal separation from God after we live. His joy becomes our experience through his forgiveness and his presence. That's why King David, after his gravest of his sins, when confronted about it, he wrote this after he confessed. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, the joy that comes with God's saving work, knowing that your sin is forgiven, knowing that your sin is forgiven is absolutely incredible. It's freeing. It's beautiful. There's a big difference that happens between guilt and guilt feelings. Guilt is objective when we, that we incur this when we violate God's commands. Guilt feelings in our conscience work much the same way as pain does in our bodies physically. When we feel pain in our bodies, it's a signal that something is not right and we seek to get help and diagnose it and then to 
apply the cure. That's what happens with feelings of guilt. This signals that something is not right in our soul, something's wrong, and it motivates us to seek God's help. When we confess our sin and our rejection of God, that objective guilt, the scripture says, is forgiven, and the subjective guilt feelings can go away. Now, we have all kinds of ways we try to get rid of that guilt as well. We try to do a lot of things, try to be nice people and do good stuff so that hopefully the good that we do outweighs the scale of the bad that we do. But there's a problem with that. None of us in this room know what's the quota, how much is enough. So we end up doing, doing, doing. But our text sort of foretells what Jesus does. He gave his life for us as our substitute. He's our Savior. Secondly, he's our Messiah. He says, Jesus is the Christ. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ. Christ is the translation of the Old Testament Hebrew word for Messiah, the anointed one. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Did you know that? Sometimes I thought that growing up. Jesus Christ, that must be his last name. No, Christ is a title. His name is Jesus. Christ is, he's the Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. He was promised the fulfillment of all the covenant promises that God gave to Adam, to Abraham, to Moses, and to David. He's the fulfillment of all the prophecies that have been given about this Messiah who was to come. He fulfilled all the Jewish prophets of old, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Malachi, and on and on. And all of his whole life was being prepared through every image, every feast, every festival, all of the Older Testament, all pointed to find their absolute substance in Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he inaugurated and invites us into. You see, knowing that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, he is the centerpiece of God's grand story. It's not just some unconnected little story of cute little thing about like, you know, a long time ago, once upon a time, there was this little baby born. No. It was a grand story that began way back and the fulfillment of prophecies and all of that that was leading up to it. And Christ came and is the centerpiece of God's grand story that continues on. And one day this king, he says, is going to return. He is the Christ and knowing that gives us joy because we're part of God's grand story. He is all, lastly, this, the Lord. There's, there's a Savior born to you. He is Christ, the Messiah, and he is the Lord. It means God, King. The first translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek translated this word for God, kurios, meaning Lord, the child who is born is not only the Savior and the Christ, he's not only the Messiah, he is God incarnate. The same word was used in our text in verse 9, an angel of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shone about it. The Lord is God who preexisted and stepped out of eternity into time, fulfilling the covenant promises as the anointed Christ and uniting human nature and flesh with himself so that he could understand, reveal God to us, and that we would, you know, he would care for us and then ultimately take care of our brokenness and our separation from God. 
And the scripture says that after he lived a perfect life and died a death that he didn't deserve, he was resurrected three days later. And he ultimately ascended to the heavens. And God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord reveals his authority as God, the one to whom each you and I will give account one day. And the good news invites us to choose to do so joyfully, voluntarily in this life, or we will have to regretfully do it later in the next. So, friends, the angel of the Lord said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And in relationship with him, as he invites us to connect with him, he comes and he takes his place within us he forgives our sin if we open our lives to him. He cleanses us from all of our past guilt and shame, all of the wrong we've ever done. He gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live for him and to change us deep in our character, our attitudes, our thinking, our values, and our, our affections to make us like himself. This is good news of great joy. This good news is for you, friends. It's for you. Will you receive him today by faith? Some, some of you, you, you've heard this many times. You've come to many Christmas stories or the odd Easter story you, or service, you know. Some of you have been hanging around in the church a long time. Some of you are sincerely investigating. You're kicking the tires of the church in this thing called Christianity. You're wondering about Christ. You know, today, a Savior is available for you, the Christ, and he is Lord. Will you receive him? I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me for a second. Some of you may be really bound by fear or worry. Some of you just feel like you're just kind of a little lost or empty. And the good news is that Jesus has come to save you from that. He is the promised one, and he is the Lord. If you place your faith in him and believe him, that he is who he said he is, and you trust what he has done for you, you can get off the treadmill of trying to do, 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 do. And you can receive his free grace of forgiveness his presence of love and joy and peace. And his spirit will come to dwell within you 
and begin a process of change and transformation. It doesn't happen all overnight. Just like babies are born, they grow. So too in our spirit, our soul, we receive him. He regenerates us. He makes us new. And then we grow in him as his children. And he transforms us over time to become like him in our character and in our thinking and in our affections. You can't earn this kind of salvation. It's a matter of faith. And so you could choose to put your faith in him today or you could choose to begin a search. And I invite you in whatever capacity you are ready for that you would commit to respond to him today. Set aside all the junk, all the old stuff from all other kinds of hypocrisy, you know, sin, all of the other leaders, churches, all of that stuff. And it's time that you face Christ yourself and allow him to transform and forgive and lead your life. So you can do that by faith this morning if you want to. And all you need to do, you can do it in your own words. But if you need some help, you could say something like this. God, I have, I've held you at bay. I've, I've rejected you for too long. I know I need you. I need your forgiveness. And I need your joy. Please, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me. Slowly change me to become the person you dream for me to become. I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything, but I choose to step in faith today towards you. Give me your life. In your name I pray. So friends, I just want to encourage you, if that is your prayer this morning, uh, tell somebody. There will be people here at the front if you want to who would pray for you. Or you can tell someone who brought you or um, let us know somehow. You can email us here at the church or pull us aside, anyone who's been on this platform, anyone serving in the back. We'd love to help you get started in your journey. So let's uh, worship God and sing and celebrate this one.